0: Liquor Never Been Sicker, where we reread the books we first read as kids and teens, again now with
1: our adult perspectives. And sometimes with the help of that glorious adult juice we call liquor. First, we want to acknowledge the lands on which we are recording our podcast today. I'm currently recording on the unceded territories of the Coquitlam, Slaywatooth, Catsy, Musqueam, Squamish, Kakite, and Stolo First Nations.
0: And I am currently recording on the lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people. And I acknowledge that the land I am on is covered by Treaty 13, signed by the Mississaugas of the Credits, and the Williams Treaty signed with the multiple Mississaugas
1: and Chippewa bands. Today, we're discussing Madeline by Ludwig Bellmans.
0: And a quick content warning, we will be discussing racial stereotypes and kidnapping.
1: So what are you drinking today, Alyssa? Well, I did not prepare a cocktail for today because I genuinely couldn't think of a single drink to go with Madeline. Like I don't a know. hard one, yeah. So I am drinking Moody Ales West Coast IPA. Fruity Ooh. IPA with jammy tangerine, marmalade and apricot notes. And for some reason that seems it seems like a Madeline flavor. I don't know. Yeah. There's a certain I jamminess it to it. Yeah. That's that's my excuse for drinking it. the last beer in my fridge Amazing. what are you drinking uh so
0: i'm drinking a cocktail called we love half bread we love half butter but most of all we
1: love gin oh my god <laughs> that is what it's called it is a gin and tonic i put a lot I, of effort into it oh my god i love that so much that yeah that got me
0: (laughs) yeah i was hoping it would because that got me i was watching madeline lost in paris last night and that line popped up and i was like i have not heard that
1: in i haven't heard that in like probably 20 years yeah and then i came
0: up with the name with my roommate and i was like that's great done
1: so so what's in it
0: uh, it's a gin and tonic. Oh, love lemon.
1: that uh, A classic drink yeah. on this. It was show. a busy day, and then I was like,
0: "Oh shit, I didn't make a drink." And what do you pair with this?
1: Oh so yeah, so that's when yeah. I went,
0: "Okay, we, a gin kind of drink." We love, and then I we love a name. gin here, but the name I think is what sells it.
1: Yes, I agree. If you attach yeah. a good name to any drink, it becomes a better drink. That's right. everybody knows that.
0: Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's Madeline grown up. We love help, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Water,
1: but most of all, we love gin. Yes. I like how you dropped the accent for the last (laughs) line (laughs) Like we love gin. All
0: right. Um, I guess kid ratings, first experience. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I was obsessed with Madeline as a little kid. Like I mean I like I was Madeline, like little girl with shoulder length red hair. Yeah. Like I have so many Madeline dolls and we've like kept them all. We have like basically a Madeline shrine in my bedroom.
1: Oh Um, my god.
0: I had a Madeline lunchbox. Um I have a Madeline anthology called Mad About Madeline and includes all of the the six OG stories. Um, And I will hold onto that until the day I die. I had a Madeline dollhouse. Um, I had a Madeline computer game. I oh obviously gosh. watched the movie nonstop. I yes. dressed up as Madeline for Halloween when I was five. Uh-huh. Madeline was my imaginary best friend. I definitely remember making my parents pretend to be Miss Clavel while they were tucking me to bed <laughs> so I could say, Good night, good night, Miss Clavel. And then I got in trouble at the pool once because I was pretending to be Madeline falling off the bridge into the water, and the lifeguard had to ask me to stop screaming help.
1: Oh my god, that's very, like, Anne of Green Gables of you.
0: Like, basically, Madeline was my Frozen. Yeah, that checks out. I lived and breathed Madeline for Mm -hmm. a few years. I'm sure I tried to get our family to name our yellow lab Genevieve. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think anyone went for it. So for, like, little five-year-old Allison, 20 out of 10 for this one.
1: That checks out. Like, I can confirm this. (laughs) The amount of Madeline dolls that you have is surprising.
0: (laughs) and i we still have them we can't let go
1: of them oh my gosh i haven't been in your childhood bedroom in like eight years but i can imagine the shrine that is there
0: they're all just like now in a um like a laundry basket though it's like slowly becoming my mom's second bedroom but the little lunchbox stays on my desk in it's shrine. iconic yeah and i brought the anthology with me to toronto especially when we started this podcast i was like we will be madeline (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna need
1: these yeah perfect all right what about you well, I mean, I definitely remember liking a Madeline, but I don't like, I remember you being fully obsessed when we were really young. Uh, I think maybe like a solid 80% of my Madeline exposure was through you and just like being mm-hmm. at your house. Yeah, probably. I mean, we may have had some of the books at my parents' place, like maybe, mm-hmm. but I know that I read them and I know that I watched some of the cartoons. I think there's only six episodes. I think it's like a, a mini series. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah,
1: so I'm pretty sure I watched all of those. Uh, I don't. I genuinely don't remember if I saw the movie adaptation or not. Like, I have no Mm. recollection of it, and I didn't watch a clip of it. But if I did, I guess I would know for sure. But I have no idea. I Mm. don't know. So, (laughs) so that's a fun mystery. I feel like when I was a little kid, I probably would have rated it like a 9 out of 10, because obviously I enjoyed it, and my proximity to you necessitated it. Mm -hmm. But uh, I enjoyed it, but I don't think it was as influential or impactful on me as it was on you, because I clearly don't remember it as well as you do. That's fair, yeah. (laughs) I can't just, like, at the drop of a hat, start quoting it.
0: Oh, yeah. That first book, I could do in my sleep.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sure you could, yeah. It's this – doing this episode sort of unlocked a a tiny memory – portion of my brain that I completely forgot about and it, fair, so it's been yeah. kind of fun to like revisit that not having thought about Madeline in like actually 20 years so yeah it's been interesting. <laughs>
0: That's true. Um, so I thought, supposed to doing like a synopsis because it's similar to like the Winnie the Poohs, it's like a smaller story so I thought I'd do a bit of a background on Madeline for those of you who were not, don't have the knowledge level that I do of Madeline, There, <laughs> The
1: obsession.
0: The pure obsession. Um, so Madeline is a series of picture books by Ludwig Bellman's following a little girl named Madeline, big surprise, who attends boarding school in Paris. The original series contained six stories and went on to inspire the Madeline media franchise, six more books written by John Bellman's Marciano, a cartoon series and a feature film. The story follows Madeline's adventures, including getting her appendix removed, befriending the Spanish ambassador's son next door, who she labels a bad hat, falling into the river and being uh, rescued by a dog, and running away at the circus and visiting London, just to name a few. Uh, at the time of the movie release in 1998, starring Hattie Jones as Madeline and Frances McDormand as Miss Clavel, iconic. Very iconic. Uh, right? I don't think I realized that was Frances McDormand until, like, this time watching it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. You're like, excuse me? Have you always been here? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. This is amazing. Um, at that point, 1998, the series had sold 15 million copies worldwide, making it one of the best-selling book series of all time.
1: Wow. Who knew? <laughs> Okay, so before we
0: start, do we do an orphan trope shot? It's gray area because in the books, Madeline has rich parents that have just sent her to boarding school. She's not an orphan. She has parents. and We know this because uh, her dad, like, sends her gifts to the hospital when she gets her appendix removed. And in the Christmas one, she goes on, like, the flying carpet and goes home to visit them for Christmas. So she's not an orphan. But the cartoon and the movie made her an orphan in both of those.
1: Yes, because of the trope one might say <laughs> obviously
0: they're like how do people like madeline she's not an orphan she's not an orphan
1: we need to kill her parents she's not relatable. right now she's a rich little girl no <laughs> absolutely not no i i think yes trope shot is valid shot. because i always remembered her as an orphan and i was confused mm-hmm. when she traveled to her parents house on the magic carpet because i was like wait her parents aren't dead excuse me right yeah uh so i think i think that's a point in its favor and cool. yeah, like All you right. said, cartoon and movie adaptations both made more Yeah, it's two out of three,
0: so... Two out of three is, is <laughs> uh, I forgot my shot glass, so I'm drinking straight from the bottle.
1: Oh my goodness. I'm just going to chug a bunch of beer because I have no hard liquor. Very fun. All right. Oh, I have not chugged beer in a very long time. <laughs> All right. I wanted to start
0: with uh, the writing. Uh, I feel like we haven't started with just like the writing in a while.
1: Yeah, we, we were sort doing of, Harry Potter for Once so we long. addressed the first Harry Potter's writing, we yeah, sort of it was like, just...
0: was the writing style yeah. the same, yeah. Um, so, obviously, rhyming pattern, um, particularly the first few lines of the books, like, are the most iconic part of the mm-hmm. book. Old house in Paris covered in eyes of twelve little girls in two straight lines. I could keep going, but I will stop for your sanity. <laughs> um, but I found it interesting, although the book generally follows the same rhyming couplet pattern it often broke the pattern very mm-hmm. inconsistent ways like yes, sometimes it, did. it was really stretching the rhyme and i like tried it out in different accents because i was reading it out loud to myself cuz it's so like poetic Yeah. Um, but and like obviously these books are mostly read out loud to me so that was like the nostalgia of it but um and i would try it out in different accents and i was like i can't find one can't where can't make it work it works Yeah. Uh, and then sometimes like the rhyme pattern would just like stop for a line yeah, or like be the a line with no rhyme yeah the print yeah. would like affect the speech pattern or the rhyme I'm not an expert on prose or rhyme. I feel like you have more to say on this. I do. So, like, is this a choice to keep the reader engaged because the text is familiar and pleasant sounding but not exactly predictable? Or is it just inconsistent?
1: I have so many thoughts on this. So many. But But first, I have to say, I had trouble finding, like, accessing these books in, like, a physical copy. So, I was looking up like online versions, and I stumbled across like children's book reading YouTube, which is actually a great resource if you want free books run to you Fair. Uh, and I had strangers read me these books with with oh, the nice. accompanying pictures on YouTube. But yes, the the thing that I noticed while I was having strangers try and read these books to me is that there were moments where you could tell they were like, wait, what the fuck? This doesn't rhyme, or like, mm-hmm, where right. did the where did the the pattern go? Like, <laughs> and they yeah. would sort of stumble and then have to like start on the next page. Okay, I'm glad so it wasn't I wasn't <laughs> No, it wasn't just you. And I noticed Great. that having it read to me, which was also very nostalgic, because okay. having having books read to you. As an adult, is very nice because you can rest your weary, weary eyes and lie down. People like audiobooks. Exactly. I'm getting. I'm like now. I get it. Now I get it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, but okay. So now let me open this can of worms fully and dump out the worms. All right. Okay. So the thing for me, as somebody who has taken entire classes on meter in poetry, and by meter Mm -hmm. I mean like the beats in the lines. Like there's a certain way of of measuring it and classifying different different rhythms and schemes, mm-hmm. uh, so to, to not overcomplicate it, I, I have <laughs> history in studying this, uh, and I have some thoughts about yeah. the structure of the writing in these books. So oh, right. <laughs> actually, before I let go of I took classes in this, did you know that one of my math credits that I used to graduate university is in a poetry class where we counted the meter in the lines of poetry
0: i remember you texting me that being like guess (laughs) what my math class is it's a poetry class
1: i don't know why they let this count as math and to be fair i had i did have an extra like math credit because i took other math classes that were like actual Mm -hmm. math but uh i just think it's funny that this counted as math because the highest number we counted up to was 13 which is Mm. such a high number how could i have counted that high by myself more than dance We only count to eight in dance. (laughs) Yeah, five, six, seven, eight. Like what the what about the rest of the what about the beginning of the numbers? Anyway, okay. Back on track. (laughs) So normally a children's story with rhyming, sort of like a a nursery rhyme or something, is very regular and it has a very specific meter and rhyme scheme to it so that kids can like easily follow along but also remember it easily. Mm -hmm. Because as you said, the first Few lines of these books are the most regular, and they're also the ones that you remember because they're repeated mm-hmm. and they're they have the perfect rhyme and the perfect meter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's why I found reading Madeline particularly jarring because it it lulls you into a sense of regularity by like the iconic opening lines, which are always the same, and then we get these sort of pattern breakdowns at moments when it's very noticeable. So I didn't mm-hmm. spend like a super long time examining the instances where this happens because my sanity only has so much capacity at this point in my adult life and I don't want mm-hmm. to ruin childhoods but <laughs> but I I can't say with like utmost certainty whether it is like intentional as a story device or whether it's you know just the mm-hmm. the lines written this way served the plot better and you know yeah. got him from okay. A to B or whatever and like maybe it was easier to write with looser rules so I can't say for sure but I I have some theories oh. and I mean I'm also wondering if he drew the pictures first and then had to make the rhymes and the meter work with the pictures because
0: yeah. there are
1: like sometimes four lines of poetry on one page and then like half a line on the next page and then you have to f- flip over the page to finish the rhyme mm-hmm. to like complete one line of poetry so it's yeah. it's not like a regular flipping pattern either for the reader. Yeah. So it definitely uh to quote JJ J. Bittenbinder it throws you off your rhythm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Anyway, yeah, it it just made me wonder whether the 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 words came first or like the images came first because he also did the the artwork for the books. Yeah. So anyway, there there could be some sort of motivation based on like fitting in artwork pieces that he had previously done, or maybe he mm-hmm. just made extra art and then decided to split up the lines. Maybe it was intentional all along. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just thought it was interesting. And especially because uh the target age for kids reading this book are probably having the book read to them as well. So it is being yeah. spoken aloud. Mm-hmm. I think that you're going to stumble a little bit more on the language, as you said, like you read them aloud to yourself. yeah. Yeah. So it's it's definitely noticeable, and that makes me think maybe it is intentional. I mean, like for me as a personal preference, it sort of bothered me when the meter changed or when there was like a random line that didn't rhyme, Mm -hmm. just for the sake of making the experience like slightly less smooth or easy or like pleasing to the ear. But on the side of it being intentional, I think that the art and the rhyme play with the expectations for a children's book a bit, which does sort of transition nice, nicely into the artwork but i do want to hear what you had to say first before yeah. we dip well, I was into just that
0: say like i i would say like i did a little bit of shakespeare in theater school where um obviously it's we're taught like if it breaks the pattern the rhyme pattern or the meter pattern there is a reason for it exactly there's yeah. a very specific reason and so like our job as an actor or like a literature critic whatever is to find that reason and like Decide what that reason is. Exactly.
1: So I was
0: trying to decide what the reason was, but I found I couldn't quite decide on the reason. And so my best explanation was like, so that it doesn't become so sing-songy and like predictable, and then because it suddenly breaks and it like gets you like, oh, that was different. What well, what's going to happen next?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think you're right in it sort of being meant as a curveball a little bit, and and that does lead me into a discussion of the artwork pretty well because I think that the, the the voice and the narrative and the, like, meter and the rhyme of the books play a sort of, they're a similar vibe, I guess, to the artwork. It's a really specific sort of aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, especially the artwork has, for me personally at least, a little bit, like, a f- a, a shade of, like, a horror-like aesthetic in some moments, which I find really interesting. interesting. Yeah, I got a tiny bit of, like, a Coraline vibe from it. Like children's yeah. children's horror, and I think maybe that's also meant to throw the reader off a little bit. There's mm-hmm. like the one image of um, like I mean dark coloring and shading. Uh, there's the the one scene I think in the first one where, where Miss Clavella's is like running down the hallway, and she's just like a black figure in a hood with like an elongated shadow running like running down a dark hallway with a candle, and it's a very yeah like dark unsettling image. That's true, yeah. And that like really stuck with me. I remember that scene in the cartoons too, and I was like, ooh, this is scary. Mm-hmm. So baby me picked up on that anyway. So I think that there's a bit of that vibe going on, and it's mm-hmm. it's like slightly off-kilter like with the story and with the image and with the meter and with the rhyme Mm -hmm. so when I was reading the first book like I had this this like strong flashback and I think it's a recognizable and iconic vibe but it's also I think different from a lot of kids stories because it's a little bit off-kilter like that
0: yeah definitely I also thought it was interesting that there's two very different styles of artwork in like yeah there's the very colorful like I think Mm -hmm. it's mostly the Parisian scenes like the outdoor scenes that are very colorful colorful and vibrant and then anything that's like indoors it's like just yellow with like black sketch lines basically
1: yeah like in some pictures Madeline has black hair and in some of them she has red hair and I was confused Mm -hmm. about who she was because it kept switching her hair color
0: Especially when you throw Pepito in the mix because he has yes. the same kind of hairstyle as her. Exactly.
1: Oof. He like, has dark hair. Which child are you? Who are you? Okay. Who are you?
0: Um, yeah. But yeah, I was, so I was watching the movie. Obviously, I had to rewatch the movie for of this. Of course. And I noticed there's a scene where there's an artist on like the bridge and he's uh, painting uh, Notre Dame. And uh, I didn't realize this until like literally this morning, but I think he's painting Notre Dame in the style of the books. Oh. Because she kind of goes like, oh, like you've really captured it. And then Miss Clavel later is talking to him, and he's like, oh, you don't like it? And she's kind of like, um... Like, (laughs) which is very funny. But then I was like, oh, I think that's the joke, is that he's painting it in the style of... That's clever. Whether that's, like, supposed to be him,
1: or, like, it was just a little Easter egg.
0: Anyways, that was my little...
1: I mean, it's so recognizable, and it has such a, a strong, nostalgic vibe to it. Like, if I saw that artwork out in the wild being used to illustrate something else, I'd probably associate it with Madeline. Right, yeah. So it does have its own sort of genre or like appearance, I guess, which I find enjoyable in that it's recognizable. To, to make a throwback, it's, it's sort of comparable to in a way, to like the vibe of Diary of a Wimpy Kid, completely different art styles. But if you saw a stick figure drawn in the Wimpy Kid style, you'd be like, oh, I know what this is referencing. You know what I mean? It's just Mm -hmm, like the way that they're drawn.
0: Uh, So the original story was published in 1939, and it was written by Mm -hmm. an Austrian-American male. So obviously, there's some outdated racist and misogynistic images and language. Yeah. Um, Let's chat about them shall we so the first one i noticed was in madeline and the bad hat which i believe this is the second story uh it's just a yes. word that has a very different connotation now so pepito <laughs> yeah. is inviting madeline and her friends over and she says don't molest us at the time of publication this means don't torment or harass us because yes. at this point yes, they don't does. like him he's a bit of a terror yeah. They call him a bad hat but like it literally made me laugh out loud because of
1: how different, like, that word is yeah, exactly. now in modern times. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I had a very similar reaction to you. And for me, like, seeing how weird languages like that change a bit is is more of an occupational hazard, I guess. Because I, by trade, I read a lot of, like, older texts. Mm-hmm. But I always find it really, really interesting when certain words change their meaning completely. Um to like no pun intended get perverted in like the Mm -hmm. modern dialect basically where the language becomes something else although usually it is like something wasn't sexual and now it is sexual.
0: And those are the funny
1: ones to us because old timey people are just, you know, saying words and we're like, ah, dick jokes, but they didn't mean it that way. Yeah. So I always I always find those moments really entertaining, but it also sort of like brings me out of the moment. And, like, back right, to yeah. the present, <laughs> like, why am I sexualizing Madeline, but also, haha, dick jokes, you know? Yeah, that one I found more comedic just because, like,
0: the understanding of, like, yeah, how just, long ago this was published. Yeah, it's exactly. not even like, eh, it was published, like, 15 years ago. You didn't need to use that word. It's like, no, this was published before World War II. Uh, so the second one I want to talk about was in the story uh, Madeline and the Gypsies. Mm-hmm. If the title alone doesn't raise your eyebrow, I suggest yeah. doing some research on the history of that word. Yep. Uh, So the whole plot is Madeline and Pepito are accidentally left at a circus and are taken in, quote-unquote, by the, quote-unquote, gypsy woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she tries to hide them from Miss Clavel. So obviously we get the harmful stereotype of this gypsy woman who essentially kidnaps the white children. Yep. And there's also, like, a line that says something like, gypsies arrive so they can go away. Yeah. Which, like, maybe in 30... 1939 was like a poetic line but in 2022 it's got a big old yikes written all over it
1: yeah absolutely yes the the cultural erasure vibes in those lines in particular were extremely song uh, strong uh like i was already cringing from the title of course so i knew mm-hmm. even before opening the book or having a strange lady on the internet read it to me that uh we were going to be getting into some weird stuff And some problematic stuff. And uh, I did, in fact, you know, follow through on the cringe. So, yes, it was what I thought it was going to be. (laughs) I was, yes, I was cringe. Yeah. And as we briefly discussed in our last episode uh, with Holes, when it came to Madame Zeroni, there was even a more, like, recent instance of a questionable portrayal of, like, a Romani person labeled as, like, a gypsy. Mm -hmm. and then, of course, we're getting it in today's episode as well. But in Madeline, the the like racist commentary is more e- apparent and more explicit. Like, as you said, yeah. one of the circus women essentially kidnaps Madeline and Pepito and hides them in the skin of a lion, which is also <laughs> very Narnia vibes. Right? Right! I had this flashback to the Narnia uh, episode, and I was like, oh my god. yeah, the skin of a lion sounds about right. Yeah. So. <laughs> For any long-time listeners, you're probably like, "Oh no, the Nardia episode." Yeah. But yeah, I forgot. Anyway, about so that I had one. a flashback to that, which was interesting. But but mm-hmm. mainly, in summary, it was an all-around yikes from me. This did yeah. not age super well as
0: expected based on the title. Yeah. And there is one more. Uh, finally, yeah. in Madeline's Christmas, we have this rug salesman who is very clearly depicted as a Middle Eastern man. Um, that itself. I feel like isn't so much the issue yeah. as the fact he turns out to be a magician who gives them magic carpet ride so they can visit their family. Yes. So like he's a good guy. It's not yeah. a negative like character, but it is that's
1: still that racialized stereotype. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. It's I mean, this the salesman could have been any gender or race, but the author chose to depict this person as a Middle Eastern man who was essentially, like, mysticized and exoticized. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it is playing into that sort of, I guess, uh, era, typical uh, and harmful stereotype Mm -hmm. of this particular culture. Uh, And, I mean, of course, the books were written in the late 30s and, I guess, early 40s. So, yeah, it was more era appropriate, but it's still not fun to read these types of things when they pop up uh, especially when it's like every couple books for us right we're like yeah. oh no <laughs> but when we're when we're digging into like children's literature of all ages of course we're gonna mm-hmm. be finding things like this oh yeah for sure but there is less not good i guess a good side to this character um i think which is when we see madeline um like, a little white girl inviting the salesman into the school where he's... I mean, he's basically, like, frozen and in danger of dying because he sold all of the rugs, which were, like, his warmth for the winter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so he shows up, basically, as, like, a block of ice, and she helps to revive him. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we see this, like, lovely moment where Madeline is helping this man with no regard whatsoever to, like, his race or anything like that. So I think that part of it, at least, was, like, a nice message for the kids. Yeah, this one didn't
0: make me as annoyed or upset as yeah, absolutely. the uh, other one, because it was a bit more of a, like a positive character in a positive yeah, exactly. relationship. Yeah. It was just the fact it was like, yeah, and he was a
1: magician. I was like, oh, so close. <laughs> and he was a magician. Well, and he gave them a magic carpet. Right. Yeah. Which is like fulfilling that certain of It was like, come on. Okay, really?
0: Yeah. So as most of us know, the Dr. Seuss organization has decided to stop publishing certain books with similar racialized stereotypical images um, mm-hmm. recognizing it's hurtful and wrong um, and so lucky for the organization it's not their famous books um, but uh, do you think Madeline could do the same like retire stories like Madeline the Gypsies and Madeline's Christmas uh, and like any of the Beyond ones I didn't read the newer six ones or quote unquote newer like any other with similar stereotypes and they aren't the most popular story like the first one is the most popular yeah for sure Um because I feel like this series would likely continue to be successful without them. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that would definitely be a place to start. Like, the the main thing is that if kids are still reading these books and watching, like, the cartoons in the movie, then they shouldn't be passively consuming these messages. Like, mm-hmm. at the very least, I think it requires some sort of parental or teacher intervention and explanation. Like, it's it's a teaching moment for sure. Yeah. Uh, but as you said, these are less popular stories, in the mm-hmm. series so it wouldn't hurt to also like phase them out so I yeah think that definitely. that's definitely a possibility that could be done and I mean I don't mm-hmm. know how often these particular stories are being read because when I was looking for hard copies of these books to read Madeline and the Gypsies and Madeline's Christmas I think were the hardest to find so yeah. that might already sort of be happening just on like a each librarian individually who stocks the library might be making these calls based on like yeah, on like judgment. a lower
0: scale level than Doctor Seuss exactly. organization making yeah. a big announcement and everyone losing their shit
1: over it. Um, yeah, because just because like, whoever's just gonna yeah, whoever's categorizing. The, the library books in the database might have been like, hmm, maybe we don't buy a new version of Madeline and the Gypsies. Maybe that reads as extremely problematic. Right, you know? yeah. How about we focus on the other Madeline How about books we don't have that book, in our yeah. catalog? <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. I think at the very least, some sort of preemptory mm-hmm. guiding lesson or explanation so that it's not being passively consumed. And then yeah. also maybe followed up by phasing out these stories that aren't, uh, that that are basically structured around a a problematic narrative or stereotype. Yes, I agree. Yeah, for sure. So I think you also wanted to maybe talk about gender stereotypes, and I did have some some little yeah, thoughts how about, about this it? of um, course yeah
0: you go first because oh. feminist
1: rant time is every time it is all the time naturally so i think that we do see a couple of different depictions of women in this series uh with miss Clavel, she's absolutely portrayed as more of like a helpless nurturing maternal figure which is sort of typical for the time but also obviously like frustrating as a as a modern independent woman with a multifaceted personality not confined to my gender uh I- and I mean, she, she does seem a bit helpless, like to the children's whims and doesn't really have a lot of authority. But then again, the children really do respect and love her. So it's not mm-hmm. like they're totally running amok at the end of the yeah. day. They're all like, you know, lining up properly and brushing their teeth and going to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Madeline, we get a bit of the opposite with her because she's got that rebellious, you know, like protagonist energy about her. And she's yeah. a lot more mischievous. Uh, which is a trait that at this time would have been more associated with like little boys than little girls. Mm -hmm. So, so we do get a bit of both with um, the adult woman and then the, the young girl. Yeah, definitely. But I think we also don't see a lot of men featured in the stories um, or men with like a sort of more rounded character or like a full character arc. Mm -hmm. So the most prominent one that comes to mind for me is Pepito. Who's uh, the little boy who lives next door, the son of the Spanish ambassador. Um, and so we're introduced to him in the bad hat and Madeline and Pepito do not get along at all because he's basically like the sociopath next door. Who's like terrorizing <laughs> them, which little boys are want to do, I w- I suppose. But <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's annoying. He lives next door. Madeline and the other girls are like heckling him over the, over the fence because, mm-hmm. you know, they're heckling him back because he's heckling them and it's like very much a little kid exchange. Yeah. Um, yeah and the girls are complaining about him but miss clavel thinks he's cute and basically has like the oh boys will be boys mentality and doesn't really do anything about it which is so frustrating to recognize mm-hmm. in like a, a right. book geared toward little girls basically being like oh adults won't listen to you it doesn't matter yeah yeah and of course by the end of the story pepito learns a lesson and becomes less of an asshole who abuses animals big yikes by the way <laughs> yeah. that he lets a cat out of a bag in a field full of like rabid dogs just for the sake of like, haha, this is funny, which mm-hmm, was like a yeah. big sociopath red flag for me as I well. I mean, at oh. least like
0: the point of that is like, oh look, the awful things he's doing, exactly. not like yeah. the joke being like, whoa, he did this Aha, we abuse. Wild. no,
1: yeah, it's it's pointing out that he's a terrible person. Yeah, but, so but, it's like, I was like, and he becomes a vegetarian yeah. at the end. So he becomes a vegetarian at the end, which I'm like, there is that like a. A little joke too like i don't know is is the author like pro an animal cruelty free lifestyle or is he like making fun of it i can't tell it seems to be pro because the animal abuse was very shocking i don't know yeah anyway but it it is interesting because he has this very full character arc and then suddenly him and Madeline are best friends and they're just like hanging out because he's had like a full 180 right and, and now he's like a good little boy (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm, it was I don't yeah. know, it was just interesting. It's like I think the most full character arc that we get in the entire first six books is mm-hmm. with this one kid. Right, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and and he happens to just be like the little boy next door, but he, he becomes a very central part of the story because it's he really is Madeline's friend and then when they get invited mm-hmm. to London. In one of the books, the, the the letter that comes addressed is basically like Madeline can come and also she can bring her friends. So yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Yes. Yeah, so
0: my thoughts, uh, it was interesting that you brought up that like you found Madeline Madeline to be like a bit of the rebellious protagonist type because I found in the books, she really wasn't that much. I think they amp that up more in like the series, the yeah. cartoon and the movie. You might be right. Yeah. Because I found this one, like, all the girls were, like, very well-behaved girls. And it was just, like, Madeline was, like, she was a little bit braver than the others and was, like, willing to stand up for herself. But, like, um, yeah, so we have, like, all the perfectly behaved little girls that walk in their two straight lines and they brush their teeth and they go to bed and they love their bread and they love their butter. Uh, And then the boys will be boys mentality of the boy next door that's doing all these awful things and uh, wreaking havoc. So I thought that was, like, a very interesting message. Yeah, for sure. And I think that was changed a bit for the cartoon and the movie especially the movie like she's very more rebellious yeah she's the one that because the whole plot of the movie is that um this school is being sold by uh lord cuckoo face uh covington whatever his name is he is selling the school and she kind of leads the girls and even miss Clavel in like rebelling against that and and trying to stop being sold and like approaches him and like confronts him about it i and like as uh, the one that kind of stands up to Pepito and isn't like, oh my God, he's a boy. It's just like, he's an awful person. Stop liking him. Yeah. Uh, So I think that was amped up way more for the movie. I found the book, she, yeah, was just like the perfect little well-behaved rich girl. Which I found very interesting to have the that yeah. dynamic of the boys and girls. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it is interesting because I think... Where my main uh, sort of nostalgia factor or memory of Madeline comes from is definitely from the cartoons. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, again, like I did think that she was an orphan until reading the books again. And I think I just had this clear picture of her personality based on how she was brought to life in the cartoon. And you're right that she is a little bit more flat in... In the books, like there's a little bit less spunk. Yeah, a little bit less spunk in her. Like to mm-hmm. be to be sure, she's still got the protagonist energy, but oh, she's yeah. not quite as she's not quite as much of like an Anne, like an Anne of Green Gables yeah. type character. She's not quite that free.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh again, it was like published in nineteen thirty nine, so obviously they're like little girls behave well. Little boys can do whatever the fuck they want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not the worst gender representation i've seen from right, this yeah. era by far but not the best either
0: <laughs> yeah and like how modern adaptations of madeline have been taken like i have yeah. hope that like people are willing to part with that original book like of yeah. the perfect well-behaved girls especially with the 1998 movie which i also want to talk about because i did oh, watch yes. it last night and like it holds up it Interesting. is a good movie. It, I had such a good time watching it. <laughs> First of all, Frances McDormand. I know I mentioned this earlier, mm-hmm. but Frances McDormand as Miss Clavel. So good. The little girl, Hattie Jones, I think her name is. I also said that earlier. Yeah. Who plays Madeline is, like, perfect. Like, also, kid can act. Like, she must have been one of those kids that, like, walked in the room for the audition. They're, like, done. Yeah. They're, yeah, like, you're we're it. casting you. It's so good. Yeah. And, like, it was actually, like, so funny. And then, as I said, they gave madeline a lot more agency a lot more rebellion in her yeah yeah and like it definitely had a big nostalgia factor for me but i was also like no this is a good movie like i would totally show this to my kids nowadays like it is nice is so when cute. things
1: hold up like that
0: uh and like the performances in general were really good even the adults like there was no like yeah that's ah, good nobody like, moves, like so really out. It up. yeah a little bit with like the tutor from pepito but like mm. not too bad yeah
1: okay okay Yeah. And I think,
0: okay, so I was debating on this uh, with my roommate because we noticed in the cartoons, they have very heavy French accents. Mm -hmm. But in the movie, most of them are British, but they call Miss Clavel Miss Clavel. And so I think my theory of like, they kind of adjust it for the movie is that they're all British children that have just been sent to a boarding school in Paris.
1: Ah, yeah. Because there
0: was one random French girl who spoke her, like, two lines in French. (laughs) And, like, the cook was very French and would, like, speak French lines and with a French accent. Right. But all, like, Miss Clavel and all the girls had British accents. So I think that was, like, what they went for in the movie. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but in the cartoon, they're just like, nope, they're going to have French accents. Yeah. Well, it's like one of those, (laughs)
1: like, a, a sort of movie trope that if somebody has a British accent, In a place that it doesn't make sense for, don't question it because most actors are British. You know how that's like the common assumption is if they're British, don't question it. It's like there might be a character who's supposed to be from Germany and they're speaking with a British accent, and you're like, don't question it, they're British, it's fine.
0: That's how I assume because, like, yeah. But then I noticed like there are other characters speaking in French.
1: Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Or like, would start yeah. speaking
0: in a French accent. So I think that was how they reasoned out. And it checks out, though. It was pretty consistent.
1: Yeah, that does um, make sense. That's an interesting yeah. interpretation, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and that checks out.
0: Yeah, and then, of course, we watched uh, Madeline Lost in Paris, the cartoon movie, uh, which is yes. also iconic. <laughs> all those songs just, like, from deep in my, like, cranium oh my just, like, came yeah. all up. And I was like
1: whoa it's so funny how like those certain little nuggets are buried very very deep like decades deep and then one tiny little thing you're like oh i suddenly remember this thing i haven't actually thought about in 20 years yeah and there's a bit
0: i remember saying this in the holes episode there's like one shot from the movie that was like i remember that from the trailer same thing with madeline lost in paris i guess it was like on one of the movies i watched 24 7 yeah i back in back in the 90s in case if any of you are younger than that that yep. are listening wow um <laughs> would get like the coming soon to theaters and you would get oh, a bunch yeah. of ads for movies coming of to, course or like coming soon to home video and then it would be like an nap for a feature first presentation so i remember madeline Lost in paris was an ad i think it was annie the 1999 version
1: that makes sense yes um 1999 yeah another 1999. movie that you played constantly in your home featuring yep. a redhead little girl There is a pattern here. There's Mm. a pattern here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so I, like, remember the song. was like, and well-read, like, was the song that I, like, remembered so well. Right? And at the end, they all go, "Wee wee!" And I was like, what?
1: (laughs) I'm having such a... This is, like, the first book we've done that's really surprised me that I completely forgot it existed. And I'm having, like, so many little flashbacks now. Right? Yeah. That's That's why It was so much
0: fun to watch for that reason. Interesting. Um, I would say them live action from 1998 holds up way more than the cartoon version yeah um i mean the, well, cartoon the cartoons were was like cute. made
1: in the late 80s early 90s yeah so it's a bit earlier yeah, yeah
0: they, like they were cute they were fine um and we do get the iconic we love our bread we love our butter but most of all we love each other we do get that iconic <laughs> line iconic. oddly kidnapping uh plot lines in both movies
1: isn't that just, like, a staple of children's movies, though? Right, yeah. And I grew in- up as a child so afraid of being kidnapped, like, more afraid than I probably should have been given, like, where I lived and everything, Fair. and I think it's because of all of these movies teaching us that we're going to get kidnapped and go on a sketchy I adventure. I will say,
0: I remember there being an attempt at kidnapping near my school in elementary school, uh, so, like, yes. they were, like... It's fine, but, like, not unheard of here. Like, you are a bunch, yeah. bunch of rich white kids. Like, Yes. Yeah. Uh, I guess middle class white kids. We weren't that rich. Um, no. <laughs> I was talking to another friend today. I was mentioning Madeline, and she was like, oh, yeah, I watched the movie, and that's how I – that's when I learned about kidnapping. Oh, no. <laughs> like, that's when I learned that was an issue I had to think yeah. about.
1: I mean, I guess the reason it does crop up in so many kids' books and movies is because it's, like, a teachable moment.
0: Right, yeah, but like, it's still what kind to of do? even like
1: to me, like how many, yeah. how many times it comes up? It's like, isn't just a couple enough? Like, does every single movie yeah. and book have to involve that plot line?
0: I guess because both of them end up with like Madeline finding ways to escape. So like in the yeah. live adaptation, she like sees the knife and they work together to like cut the ropes that are holding their hands, and they, like, drive the motorcycle away. Right. And then the cartoon movie, like, she realizes, like, what's going on. She has a bead necklace, and so she stop starts dropping beads, like, as a Hansel and Gretel kind of thing.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So someone can follow her. So, like, they include, like, tips and clues. Yeah, like, actual and, like, tips.
1: Yeah. How street do, like, smarts.
0: Street smarts. <laughs> I, I was... Trying to find a way to work that in. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta throw him
1: off his rhythm.
0: (laughs) Throw him off the rhythm. Break your bead necklace and drop a little. (laughs)
1: No, it is definitely a good lesson for sure. Oh, yeah. For
0: sure. It's important. I guess it's one of the few things you can be like, hey, kids, this is an issue. But there are things you can do to help yourself. I
1: definitely spent like a significant amount of my time in the 90s and early 2000s thinking about ways to avoid or rescue myself from kidnapping so maybe it was a useful mental exercise but I did devote a lot of energy to this train of thought like I did yeah
0: this is very off topic but a very funny story um so there is a point one time I was walking home alone after school I was like I think I was in elementary school I don't know why my siblings weren't with me so it would have been like 11 maybe 12 Mm -hmm. and uh so, and we had just had, like, the stranger danger talk, and, like, I remember they were, like, oh, if a car is following you, run the other way. Yeah. And then try to run down a They did that whole thing. So, I'm walking. I lived up a big hill. I'm walking up the hill. A car goes by me, and it was, like, a car I hadn't seen that area before, black tinted windows. And I was, like, that was weird. Never seen that car before, but also, like, a lot of houses in my area. Didn't think too much of it. And then I noticed it had turned around and pulled up beside me
1: ah uh, yes so i was
0: like i'm ready i know what to do in three two one i'm gonna run the opposite way and as i'm about to like start darting the opposite direction the window pulls down it's my uncle <laughs> dropping off a birthday gift for my mom
1: oh my god i remember this story yeah you told Hi. me after i was like oh cool you didn't have was to like, cut anybody was gonna
0: kidnapped and he was i uh, later on he like called my mom I was like yeah i think
1: i freaked allison out a little bit well, she was like, like yeah a little yeah bit. of course all the kids know the stranger danger spiel. Like, come yeah, on. and
0: I was like, we just had the stranger danger spiel. So I was like, I'm ready. I know what to do. And I was even like coming up with my way to get home, like the other way home I could take yep. to like get myself home. But no, I got a ride home for my uncle inside. and then And my mom was like, Why'd you get in the car with a stranger? I was like, it wasn't a stranger. I was Uncle like <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> it was fine. Wouldn't have gotten in if it was anyone don't else. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Anyways, that was my
1: fun. I almost got kidnapped story, but not really. Fun. I have one of those, but I did almost get kidnapped, so it's less fun. Oh shit! (laughs) Did I never tell you about that? Once I I was on the way home from school, I was like in maybe like grade eight or grade nine, and I was walking through my neighborhood, and this van started like uh, driving slowly down the street towards me, and so I was like, "Hmm, weird," and I kept walking. And then I noticed that it pulled into a driveway when it passed me and turned around and then started following me real slow. And I started walking faster and the van started driving faster. And then I started running and the van started driving faster. And I was like, oh nope. no. So I dipped in, you know, like behind, you can like go behind between the fence and that church like near my house. So I like yeah. zipped through the little alleyway there that cars can't go through and then like opened the, the gate at the end of the street and then like ran through it. Mm -hmm. and made it home and i was like hmm cool i mean they could have just been looking for directions but i was like no i almost died today that's
0: fair yeah so i'm sticking to it anyway yeah i mean that does sound a little creepy and if uh they were very honest had honest intentions
1: it's like they should have realized. been like
0: we're a car following a little girl walking home exactly
1: Like, either you're a very out of touch adult or you're a creeper. So, I'm going to run either way. (laughs) True. I don't blame you. Run from strangers unless they're not. No, always run from strangers. Never meet anybody new. It's terrible. Stranger dangers.
0: Don't trust anyone. (laughs) Yeah. The moral of the story is never leave your house ever. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you for my TED Talk.
0: (laughs) Yeah. After that tidbit. Uh nineteen ninety eight movie holds up, highly recommend a rewatch. Uh cartoon movie, if you got time, go for it. You're not missing a whole lot though, uh, if you don't rewatch it. So yeah. That's my review. Cool. cool, cool. Do we want to go into our current ratings of the book? Yeah. Or do we have any final thoughts, I guess, before
1: I guess my final thought is just wow, this unlocked like a vault of very early childhood memories for me, right. which was kind of
0: fun. Yeah. Yeah, very fun.
1: Yeah. My I wasn't dad every it.
0: Every now and then, it's like, like, you should write a Madeline musical. <laughs> I didn't look it up, but I feel
1: like one exists. I'm sure one must exist. Like, the, it must, yes. right?
0: But, like, if I were to write a musical, this would probably be it.
1: I love I that. also realize
0: I'm actually really mad my cousin named her daughter Madeline, so I can't name my daughter Madeline if I ever have a daughter. Oh, my God. I was a little moment. I was like, fuck. Damn it.
1: <laughs> just be really aggro and name your child Madeline and she named her Madeline and it'll just do one of those things where everybody calls them the wrong version of their own name. Oh yeah, and just constant confusion and annoyance. Yep. Yep. Be right. That's not yeah. what happened in my family at all with all of our all of the cousins' names starting with the same letter. <laughs> totally a good plan. So funny how that turned out. Yep.
0: Now shall we jump into current ratings? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. Um I'm gonna say nine out of ten. I would 100% still read this to my child. I'd probably skip Madeline the Gypsies or Madeline's Christmas. Um, but, like, it's still such a cute story. And, like, yeah. if the franchise were to retire those two stories, I would probably move mine up to, like, a 10 out of 10. Um, 100% nostalgia is a huge factor of it for me. Yeah. And there's still some gender stereotyping. But, like, as I said, the movies and the cartoons give Madeline a bit more agency and make her a bit more of a rebel, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I, like, had such a pleasant time overall, except for a couple moments, uh, rereading this and just unlocking those deep, deep memories. Oh, yeah, those deep-seated,
1: hidden, hidden memories. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to give the series maybe like a seven or an eight based on like the, the issues that we discussed. Mm-hmm. But I think that the premise is very cute and Madeline herself is very iconic mm-hmm. and I don't have like quite the same level of nostalgia for it that you do, obviously, uh, but but I did enjoy the experience of rereading them and like having fun memories sort of flash back to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was definitely a flashback to the olden days. And by the olden days, I mean the 90s. Yeah. Uh- right. <laughs> yeah yeah you're right that the the cartoon gives Madeline more energy for our agency also more energy i guess uh yeah so i enjoyed seeing that um in a slightly more modern adaptation of the books but i wouldn't be mad if there was like a new version you know like if, if disney plus decided to like make a series of it i wouldn't be mad at it you know oh that'd be amazing it would be fun so you know That's disney great. hit us up we can make yeah. it into a musical i guess
0: oh my god i'd love to write it I, I'm definitely way too old to play Madeline, but I'm not old enough to play Miss Clavel. So
1: I like how that's the first thought that goes through your head. Could I play Madeline?
0: I am a little too old for Madeline. Oh my god!
1: It's okay, I'll be Miss Clavel. All right, get that wimple on. <laughs>
0: That'll be great. Oh, it's gonna be so good.
1: Yeah, just kidding. I would play Pepito.
0: Oh, obviously. I get or a ball cut not first thought. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Perfect. Amazing. Well, now All that right. we've fan cast ourselves, maybe it's time to wrap up.
0: Yeah. So uh, join us next week as we read Island by Gordon Corman. This has been Books Before Liquor, Never Been Sicker. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Books Before Liquor and Twitter at BooksBL Podcast.
1: And check us out on our website at Books Before Liquor, Never been or email us at booksbeforeliquor at gmail.com to scream at us about great books or send us recommendations or whatever. We love to hear from you. And you can also support us by visiting patreon.com slash booksbeforeliquorneverbeensicker. And now, go drink a big glass of water.